chapter 1. Where does it come from? Daniel chapter 1. That's right. Daniel chapter 1. The Bible tells us about a wicked king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was a pretty messed up guy. Nebuchadnezzar got the idea that he wanted to rule the world. He was ambitious and he was powerful. And one day, the people of Israel found themselves in a lot of trouble. Can you imagine getting up one morning and walking up to the gate of the city? Or maybe you climbed up and you peeked over the wall. You're used to looking over the wall and you see some houses and some farms off in the distance and it's so pretty and it's green. It was a lot greener in Israel back then than it is today. Today it's more like a desert because people came and cut down all the trees. But back then it was more lush and they're looking out and it's so pretty. But one morning you get up, you climb up a ladder and you look over I think I need new glasses. There's something over there that wasn't there yesterday. So you peek again. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an army. In fact, these people are big and they're mean and they're ugly. They're called the Chaldeans. And their king was that big, bad, mean king I told you about, whose name was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he was a bad dude. And his country came in, and their armies came, and they surrounded the city of Jerusalem. Well, it was pretty scary for all those people because they're looking out, and this army's bigger than theirs. This army has bigger weapons. This army's mightier. Well, their king wasn't a lot of help. You know what their king decided? Their king decided, I think we should surrender. I mean, we are outnumbered. We're stuck in our city. And I don't know how long they were stuck in their city, but they were stuck in their city for a while. And so they decide, the king decides, we're just going to surrender. You know, if we surrender, maybe they'll be nice to us. Do you think Nebuchadnezzar was going to be nice to them? Well, the king and his wife and his kids and his servants walked out of the city and they walked up to the general and they said, we surrender all, we surrender all. You can have our big, great city, we surrender all. And so they gave everything to Nebuchadnezzar. And those soldiers marched into the city and they started killing people and they started burning down the buildings and they went into God's house and they started taking all of the pots and pans and things they used inside the temple and they started packing them up. They took the candlesticks. They took everything inside the temple and started packing it up to take it back to Babylon to put in the house of their gods where Nebuchadnezzar worshiped his gods. Well, on top of that, then they started looking at all those pillars. There were these big, beautiful pillars that were gold in the temple and they started knocking them down and they'd take saws and cut them all up and break them into pieces and they took the gold from God's house. And they took it and they defiled it by taking it into the house of their false gods in Babylon. Well, the king had also given another command. He told the prince of the eunuchs, he said, I want you to go and I want you to find the best young men that you can find that can be my servants in my palace. 
And he gave some specifications as to what these guys were supposed to be like. He gave a whole list of things. He said, first of all, you have to choose guys that are from the king's family. So get the king's kids. And then the noblemen's, the princes, all the important people in Jerusalem, get their sons. But then you have to narrow it down anymore. He said, I don't want any ugly ones. I really, that's what he said. He said the words right here. He said, in whom is no blemish and well, but well favored. Well favored, literally, in modern words, means good looking. He said, I want the good looking guys. I don't want any ugly guys in my court. I want my court to be pretty. And so I'm going to make my court pretty by putting good decorations, and I'm going to make good paint color on the walls, and good curtains, and all that stuff, and good looking guys as my servants. He said they can't have any blemish. So they started lining up all those prince's kids and all of the king's kids. Started lining them up and said, okay, boy, 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 boy. I'm going to take all the boys. So they separate the boys away. And then they start looking at them and it's like, well, you're ugly. Uh, no, no, you're out. Oh, man, him? He looks like a dog. You know that little bulldog? Yeah, that's him. Oh, no, you can't be in here. And they started separating the guys. They didn't think we're pretty. Well, then they said they also had to get guys in whom was no blemish. So they looked at this one guy and they said, he's got a huge pimple right in the middle of his forehead. He's out. Oh, no, this guy's got a mole. Oh, this guy's got diabetes. No, he's out. He can't be there. This guy, glasses. Why are you wearing glasses? Nope, you're out. And so they started picking up anybody with any kind of problems at all. This guy got hiccups. He's out. I don't know what the blemishes were. But they were pretty strict on who they were going to take. Well, then he said they also have to be skillful in wisdom, all wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand or to serve in the king's palace. He said, I want you to gather up the guys who are smart, who have wisdom, who know how to make good decisions, who work hard. The, the, the science, he was talking about education, somebody who works hard in school, somebody who, who is smart. He said, that's the kind of people I want you to get. He said, because they're going to serve in my palace. And then he said something else. He said, and whom they might teach the language, sorry, the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. I want you to get guys who are smart enough to learn our language and study in our schools, and then they can come and serve. They'll be good translators. They'll be able to understand the commands. They'll be able to write documents in my, in my courtroom. They'll be able to do all these things. So he said, I want the best of these Jewish guys. So you gather them all up. It pays to work hard in school, guys. It pays to learn math. It pays to study science. All those other guys, they had to go work out in the field. But the guys who had been studying hard, <clears throat> they got to come and work in the palace. You were going to get better food. I mean, come on. If they had air conditioning back then, you would have been in the air conditioning. Like, <laughs> that's really good stuff. But they take them back to Babylon. They drag them back to Babylon. It was a terrible journey back to Babylon as the people of Israel had to go back, or had to go to serve this wicked king. Now let's talk about this wicked king for a minute, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was like an old man that had never grown up. 
Or I should say he was an old man that was still a baby. If he didn't get his way, he would pout and he would whine and he would throw fits in the middle of the night. He'd wake up and say, I had a bad dream. And he'd call in all of his servants, all the smart ones. And he'd call all of them and he's like, tell me what I dreamed and tell me what it means. And they said, well, King, tell us what you dreamed and then we'll tell you what your dream means. No, I can't remember it. Tell me what I dreamed. I mean, he was a spoiled brat. And Nebuchadnezzar would get mad. And then if you couldn't tell him what he dreamed during the night, I mean, who could tell him what he dreamed? I mean, I think I might be tempted to just make something up. Yeah, I have wacky dreams all the time. I mean, this week I rescued one of the girls in the church from Muslims that were trying to blow her up. I mean, I hit her under a couch in the middle of the desert. I mean, I have wacky dreams all the time. I could make something up. But he wanted the real dream. And then if you didn't do it, he said, I want you to chop them up in little bitty pieces. And then they'd have to go out and chop the people up in a little, I mean, that was awful. This was a bad dude. He was better, he was badder than big, bad, mean, mad Jim. Jim, thank you. (laughs) Whoever that was a while ago, he was a lot worse than him. And so he had sent to gather all these people up and they were gonna be his servants. Well, they made the trip to Babylon. When they got there, they laid out a feast. They gave them lots and lots of food. And some of the servants, he changed their names. And four of those guys are Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Can you say this? Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Now, these four guys were Jewish boys. They must have been good looking because they kept them. And they must have been smart and worked hard in school. But not only that, they had God's wisdom. They knew how to think like God wanted them to think. They must have been studying God's word. They must have been memorizing God's word and known his law. Because when they got there, they knew what God wanted them to do. They knew what God's law had said. Well, the king said, I don't like their names. I want us to give them new names. They took them and they changed their names. They took the name of Daniel, which, which meant God is my judge. And they said, I don't like that name. That talks about God. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to think about that every time I call Daniel's name. I'm going to change his name to Belteshazzar. Isn't that a prettier name than Daniel? Belteshazzar. How'd you like it, Daniel, if your name got changed to Belteshazzar? You know, that name has to do with a false god. So now the king wouldn't have to think about the God of Israel. He wouldn't have to think about Jehovah. Now he could think about his God when he called him, hey, Belteshazzar, hey, bellboy. (laughs) Well, then the other guys, they got named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we know them by those names, right? But those are their pagan names. That's what Nebuchadnezzar gave them. And it's funny that in the book of Daniel, Daniel doesn't refer to himself. I don't know that he ever does, maybe a couple times. He doesn't really talk about himself as being Belteshazzar. He keeps calling himself Daniel. And what is the name of the book? The book of Daniel. It's not the book of Belteshazzar. Daniel kept calling himself what? Daniel. Now his friends, he called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king probably said they had to call each other that. But they get their new names. But verse number eight, what was our memory verse while ago? But Daniel did what? Purposed in his heart. You know what the verse right before that is? 
The verse before that says that they all got new names. <clears throat> the king could change their names. But, but, Daniel was not going to defile himself. You see, God had given <clears throat> some commands in the Bible. God had told the Jewish people in his law, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, in those books, he had told them there were some things they couldn't eat. Anybody know some of the foods that a Jewish boy couldn't eat? Pork. Yeah, very good. Anybody else know something else they couldn't eat? What? No, they could eat beef if they were allowed to eat beef. Yes, ma'am. They could eat broccoli. That's right. That was one of the things they could eat. Well, they couldn't eat catfish or shrimp. They couldn't eat crawfish. I was raised in South Louisiana. That sounds, that would be sad. They couldn't eat sausage. I mean, sausage and biscuits are so good. They couldn't eat sausage. They couldn't eat ham. They couldn't eat bacon. Turkey bacon's good, but it just ain't the same. <laughs> well, they got there, and the king laid out a feast. He said, I'm going to train these boys. For three years, we're going to have them in college. And while they're getting their training, we're going to feed them good. They're going to be big and tough and strong. They're going to eat all the food we eat. So, boy, the king laid out a table for them. And he said, I'm going to give them all the wine they want. And so he gave them wine, and he gave them all of this good, yummy food. And they got in there, and Daniel looked at that, and he had already made a decision. What was his decision? He made a decision that he would not defile himself. You see, Daniel understood something. He understood that his body belonged to God. It wasn't his. It wasn't his daddy's. It wasn't his mommy's. His body belonged to who? to God. And so he knew that if he disobeyed God and he ate that sausage or he ate that crawfish or he ate that catfish, the things that God had told him as a Jewish boy he shouldn't eat, he knew if he ate that, what would it do to his body? It would make his body defiled. It would make his body dirty. And he said, I have made a decision. He made this promise before God. He would not defile his body with the portion of the king's meat, with the food that the king was giving him. Well, then he said another part. What was the second part of that? Nor with the wine which he drank. Now, a Jewish person, the, the law of God had never said that the Jewish people were not allowed to have wine. But the book of Proverbs, which was already written at this time, had said wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Somebody might could get before Daniel and say, now, Daniel, you know that drinking some wine every day would be good for your heart. But Daniel also knew that wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. So Daniel had a decision to make. Was he going to drink the, the wine? Was he going to drink all he could get? Because if he started drinking and he started getting drunk, what might he do? All kinds of bad things that were against God's law, right? So Daniel made a decision. He was not going to defile his body. You know, a long time ago, my grandpa made a decision. My grandpa made a promise to God. Before he went away to World War II to fight in the Pacific, he made a promise to God he'd never drink alcohol, that alcohol would never touch his lips. Well, he told my dad that. And you know what my dad did when my dad was a kid? 
He made a promise to God. He would never drink alcohol. He decided in his heart, he purposed in his heart, that he wasn't going to drink liquor and he wasn't going to give himself the opportunity to defile himself. Well, then my dad taught me that. And guess what decision I made when I was a little kid? So for three generations, we've made a promise to God. And what was one of those promises to God? That we wouldn't drink liquor. Why? Because the Proverbs say that wine is a mocker, strong drink raging, and whoever is deceived thereby, say it with me, is not wise. Well, Daniel made some decisions. He said, I'm not going to drink this king's liquor. I'm not going to eat this king's food. Now, do you think he walked into that room at that table and spit on the table and started a protest and said, you can't make me eat that food? Meanie. <laughs> do you think that's what he did? Do you think Daniel had a bad attitude? You know, in the book of Daniel, we find him over and over in really bad situations. And every single time, it seems like he has a really good attitude. In fact, later in the book of Daniel, it says that in him was an excellent spirit. He had a really, really good attitude. Now, that would be really hard to have a good attitude on that day, right? All of a sudden, they bring you all the food. And it looks so yummy. And it smells so good. And you're thirsty. And you're tired of drinking water. And now they give you another option. That it could be real easy to want what they had. But Daniel had already made the decision. Don't wait until you're tempted to make a decision not to do something. You have to decide beforehand. The first time somebody tried to give me liquor, I was on an airplane all by myself. And the lady beside me wanted to share her beer with me. She said, oh, would you, would you like to finish this for me? Well, I had already purposed in my heart that I would not defile myself with the portion of the king's wine or with this lady's beer. So I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I'm not going to spit at her. I'm not going to whack her. I'm not going to be unpolite. She's trying to be friendly, right? She's trying to be my friend. And so I just politely said, no, thank you. And anyway, we went on with the conversation and talked about other things. But I didn't wait until I was tempted. Oh, I might be considered rude. Oh, that would be so mean to not take what this lady gave me. I had already made the decision. Now I just have to figure out how to be polite. Well, now that's what Daniel's doing. Now he's got to figure out how to be polite. Now, um, this picture, one of his friends looks kind of mad, doesn't he? Well, two of them have their arms folded. I think they're one to form a protest. But Daniel, the Bible says, God had brought him into good favor. The, the, the master that was in charge of him loved him and wanted to do what was best for Daniel. So Daniel said, how about we make a deal? Let's test something. Would you let me and my friends, we, we can't eat the king's meat, we can't drink his wine. We're not going to do that. But he brought an option, another option. What if you let us eat pulse, the Bible calls it, which was some kind of vegetables, probably some type of beans. Why don't you let us eat beans and drink water? And let's do this for 10 days. And then you can compare us with the other guys and see who looks the best and see who's stronger. Well, the guy didn't like this idea because he was scared of who? Nebuchadnezzar. 
Because if these guys walked into the courtroom and they were all skinny and scrawny and they walked in and their faces were sunk in and they say, hello, king, we're here to serve you, the king's going to get mad and want to chop him up in a little bitty pieces, right? <laughs> he wants big, strong guys. So he didn't like the idea, but he said, I'll give you 10 days and let's see what happens. So for 10 days, Daniel and his friends ate beans and drank water. Now, I've known people that said, oh, so see, this is a godly diet. You're more spiritual if you eat like Daniel. And so they decide that they're only going to eat beans and drink water because they're going to be more spiritual. They're going to be healthier and they're going to look better than everybody else. Well, I've known people that did that and it didn't make them smarter. It didn't make them more spiritual. They just made them more prideful. And they didn't look better than everybody else. Like some of them started getting all scrawny up. It just didn't work. Why? Because this wasn't about the food. Daniel wasn't mad about the wine. Daniel wasn't mad about the food. Daniel had made a decision. His body belonged to God, and he was going to obey God's law. God said, don't eat it. So guess what? I'm not going to eat it. God said it's not wise to drink it. So I'm not going to drink it. Daniel decided to obey God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, they decided to obey God. Daniel purposed in his heart. It didn't matter if his friends were with him or not. If Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael gave in and ate that sausage that looked so good, if they ended up eating that, he still wasn't going to do it. He had made a decision in his heart, and he was going to obey God. Well, what happened? For 10 days, they, drank, they ate beans and they drank water. It made it really easy when you got up to decide what you're going to eat for breakfast, because you've already decided it's beans and water, and then for lunch, beans and water, and then for supper, beans and water. And the next day, beans and water. I mean, every day for 10 days. Well, the end of 10 days came, and they lined them all up. Maybe they did a push-up contest. I don't know what they did. But they did something to test their strength. And they did something to look at their, just their faces. What did their faces look like? And they got to look in, and they looked at the guy who ate the beans. And they looked at the guy who ate the ham and was drinking lots of liquor and was doing all this terrible stuff. And they said, um... Let me feel your muscle. You didn't get stronger. Let me feel this. Let me feel that again. Whoa, that's hard. <laughs> that's a big one. Let me look at their faces. Ooh, your face looks clean. <laughs> your face is dirty. They compared them. And guess what they found? They found that the guys who had been eating beans and wa drinking water were way better their faces were better, they were stronger, they were healthier. He was impressed. He was so impressed, guess what he said? He said, all of the guys in college have to eat beans and drink water. <laughs> oh, I would have cried. <laughs> no, I love beans. I've been happy. Give me red beans. I love red beans. But I like my red beans with sausage, so I'd be in trouble. <laughs> But he starts feeding them beans, and God bless them. Listen what it says, verse 17. As for these four children, who are these four? Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God gave them knowledge and skill 
in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel was, had understanding in all visions and dreams. Do you know why Daniel, later in the book, could understand the dreams? Because he had made a decision to always obey God. And when he got tested, he was willing to do what was right, and God blessed him with wisdom and with understanding. Well, and then in verse 19, it says that then the ultimate test came, the end of three years. And he lined up all of the guys who had been in school, you know, kind of like a graduation day. Dun, 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 dun. And they all march, all the Jewish boys march into the king's courtroom. And the king starts communing with them, meaning he starts questioning them. And one by one, he started asking them hard questions because he's having to pick out of this whole group who's going to work in his palace. So he starts asking them questions. What's three plus three? Do you know? Six? Oh, a good answer. Okay, well, what if, what if a, 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 an opposing army started invading and, and he starts just asking them all these hard questions? Well, as he asked all these guys questions, he found that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had way better answers than anybody else. They were way smarter. They had wisdom that was different than everybody else's wisdom. It was as though they were hearing from a God himself. Well, guess what? They were. Who was the God that they served? That was Jehovah God, right? Our creator. They served him. And because they served him and they were willing to die for him and willing to do what was right, the king, as he starts asking them questions, the king found that they were better than everybody else. So then he decided those four would be special servants in his palace. And then it says in verse 20, and in all manners of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better. I think that's interesting. How many days did they take the test for the food and the water? 10 days. And then the king starts questioning all the Jewish boys, and he found these four were how many times? 10 times better. For every day that they had been willing to risk their lives and standing for what God's word said, God had blessed them to be 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. The magicians and the astrologers, they worshiped false gods. They studied the stars to figure out the future. These men worshiped false gods. These men worshiped Satan. And when they got through, the king said, these four guys are better than all of the wise men that I talk to on a daily basis. God had blessed Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why had God blessed them? Because of verse 8 that we memorized a while ago. Can you all say it with me? Daniel 1, 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Daniel had decided he was going to follow Jesus. It didn't matter what anybody else did. And God blessed them. You know what? 
if you're willing to do what's right, God will bless you too. I wonder how many of you would be willing to make a decision like Daniel did. Would you be willing to make some promises to God that since your body belongs to God, that you will obey God's word? How many of you love God? How many of you want God to bless you? But you know what it takes to have the blessing of God? It takes commitment to God. To say, God, no matter what anybody else does, if I'm all by myself, we call it standing alone. Would you come up here by me here? Can anybody tell me, am I standing alone? No. I've got somebody else with me, right? If you, if you get in your car to go home today, and you're sitting there with your dad driving and your mom and your brother and your sister, are you alone? No. You're with other people. But what if you're going down the road, and like Daniel, somebody just grabs you out of the car and runs off? Are you alone? Now you're alone, right? It's you and the bad guys, right? Okay? And the bad guys are, okay, I'm just making this up for example, right? But then you're alone, right? That's kind of what happened to Daniel, right? Thankfully, Daniel had how many friends? Three friends. But what if, okay, so I'm Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. She's Daniel. What if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have decided, we're going to drink it, we're going to eat it, we don't want to cause trouble here, we're just going to go along with it. Daniel would have been all alone. And Daniel was willing to do that. That's why the Bible says, but Daniel. It doesn't say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says, but who? Daniel, purposed in his heart. Thank you, you can sit down. Would you make the decision today, God, my body belongs to you. Why does, God, why does your body belong to God? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says our bodies are bought with a price. Anybody know what that price is? What paid for our bodies to belong to God? Josiah? God's blood, that's right. Jesus' blood that was shed for us on the cross bought our bodies. Our bodies belong to God. His Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. So we need to make the decision today. God, my body belongs to you. Why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes, nobody looking around. Right now, maybe there's a commitment you need to make. You need to tell God, God, my body belongs to you. Help me to always obey your word. Right now, you can tell that to God. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of these kids. Lord, I pray that you would help every one of them, <clears throat> Lord, to come to an understanding that you died for them on the cross, that you paid for their bodies with your blood, and that your Holy Spirit lives in them. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to live inside of us. And Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us to obey your word and that we would choose that no matter what anybody else does, that we're going to obey all of your commands, all that you say, because our body belongs to you and we want to do with it what is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.